Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Today, I want to talk to you about unlocking compassion. Unlocking compassion. And uh, I, I think it's something that we need to address, look at. We've been in this mini-series of relationships. And one of the leading characteristics of a church should be its compassion. Unlock compassion for others. That's today's big idea. Colossians 3.12 says this, and look how the Apostle Paul frames it and he even leads with the word compassion. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need compassion. Say it like you're, wo- you're awake. Say it like you're alive. I need compassion. There we go. I love our youth, right? We need compassion. And in other words, what you just said to your neighbor is you need love, you need pity, and you also need mercy. Any husbands, can you get an amen on that one, right? We all need compassion. Compassion is one of the leading emotions in Jesus' ministry. Over 40 times, Jesus would see someone, and then his heart would, would feel for that person. He would have compassion on that group. We see this in, in Luke 7 when he sees these individuals uh, going out of the city and there's this funeral procession going and he sees this widow crying and, and, and desolate and in and, and desperation and, and she's weeping. Her only heir, her only person that matters dies. And the funeral procession's going and Jesus looks over. It says he saw her and he had compassion on her. And then you see these two men, Matthew 20. They're blind men. They're in the city of Jericho. They see Jesus coming through the streets. And they're like, Jesus, Jesus, Lord, Lord. And they're yelling at him to the point where the crowd is saying, be quiet. We don't want to hear from you. We want to see the coming Messiah. And Jesus saw them and had compassion on them. Last week, if you're with us, we talked about Mark chapter 6, where Jesus is feeding individual, or just feeds this crowd of people, over 5,000 some individuals. And he sees they're, they're people, they're, they're, they're sheeps without a shepherd, they're, they have no, 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 no protection, they're, they're lost wandering, and they're living an aimless life. And what's Jesus do? He sees and has compassion on them. See, that leads me in today's people problem is, is this. If, if we're not careful, we can view people as an object or a project and not a person. See, if we're not careful, we can view someone as just something or, or some kind of person with an issue, person with a struggle, and we can say, well, that's them. Jesus always saw the person. Let let me illustrate it this way. And I lead with this because this is a a loose illustration. Uh, 
I, I was a, I, I'm a good husband, I believe. Like, like so good, I like to empty the dishwasher. Yes, yeah, there we go, yeah. I think I know who that voice is. I'll talk to your husband later. So this one morning, uh, I was emptying the dishwasher. And uh, one of the greatest things ever in, in the morning, uh, one of the, the, the moments every day is when I see my, my beautiful wife and my baby girl get up and, and, and they're smiling and they're like, happy to see me. Well, this particular time I was on task, on mission. I had to empty the dishwasher. And I don't know if you have a particular way, but does any of you have like a direct exact way you empty the dishwasher? Like it's like silverware bowls, you know, like different things. So, so I'm in the middle of this routine I'm being a good husband, so I claim. And my wife comes over with a beautiful baby, our, our little girl, six months, and she's leaning against the cabinet. And, and I'm at the Silver War, the Silverware, excuse me, Silver War, Silverware. I'm all over the place right now. And I need to put up the spoons. I need to put up the knives. I need to put up the forks. So she's leaning there against the cabinet. I start doing one of these numbers. I start just pulling the drawer out. I'm like, okay, like, move over to the side. I'm just pulling it out. I'm not saying anything. I'm just pulling out like, hey, Britt, let's get out of the way. She, with her beauty and grace, just steps aside, holding the baby. The next day, Brittany, she's being a, a fabulous wife, she starts emptying the dishwasher. When I come home, I'm always excited to see my family. Like, I, I don't know about you, but maybe you can relate with that, right? Like, it's a highlight of your day. So I come in, I'm in the kitchen, and I'm leaning against the Silver War drawer. She starts pulling out the drawer on me. I look at her like, girl, I'm standing here. She just keeps pulling it out. Finally, I step aside and I say, Brittany, you could have just asked me to move. Her eyes so beautiful and blue look up at me and say, Blake, same goes for you. <laughs> Mind blown. See, a lot of times in these different scenarios, when it comes to compassion, we receive compassion because we understand we have a relationship as a follower of Jesus of just how great his compassion is for us. It's because Jesus died on the cross, we can experience a, 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 a restoration, a healing, a, a second chance like no one else may know. We can receive compassion. That's why when I say church, we're supposed to be known by our compassion. It's because Jesus has given us compassion. So you might be in this place and you might have not gone through some of the scenarios someone else has gone through or, or a struggle someone else has gone through, but Jesus helps us relate with people and helps us lead with compassion. So today I want to talk to you about this idea of compassion and unlocking it in your life. But I want to ask you this question before we do so. If someone were to look at your life, would they say you are a person of compassion? Are you marked? Is that a trait? Is that an emotion? Is that a, a connecting point that someone would associate your name and compassion? So today I want to dive in 
to the key to unlocking compassion is number one for us. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to do so because if you read, write, and re uh, recite, you're better to retain what we talk about when you leave this place or watching online. The first one is this one, recognize the person apart from the problem. Recognize the person apart from the problem. So we see Jesus, his, his ministry is skyrocketing. You can kind of follow me along here. We're going to be diving into chapter nine of the gospel of John. So much so that he's a polarizing figure. He's, he's challenging the establishment. People are questioning him. The towns are being alarmed about him, about his ministry. And to the point in verse 59, it says this. It says, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. So Jesus was this polarizing individual to, indivi to people. So then we pick up the story in, in chapter 9, verse 1 of the Gospel of John. So one day, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man, one of those 40 times I mentioned, who had been a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked, why is this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Verse 3 continues, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus said. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. I want us to highlight it very quickly in, first, in the very first verse. It says, yes, Jesus was walking along. Jesus initiated the move. Jesus initiated the, the moment. If you know it or not, if you're right here watching online, wherever you're at, Jesus has initiated something in your life at this moment. Maybe you know people who are far from God. Jesus has initiated a relationship with you, with them. He died on the cross. He, he, he took our place. Seeing this, Jesus had to, to come down to this, this level and, and, he, and he's walking along and, and he sees this man, this begging, this blind, this disabled individual and, and in the first century left to just kind of fend for himself. And Jesus initiates relationship. Many times we come to this, this place in, in life where we just view people as a project or an object. We're saying, hey, what kind of relationship do I need to initiate with him? When we unlock compassion in our lives, we're recognizing that there's problems in life, but there's also people that we are to have compassion, love, mercy, pity with. In verse 2, it continues, and Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man blind? Look at the perspective the disciples had. The disciples assumed automatically that this man's sin or his parents' sin was the issue. See, Jesus sees this man as a person with a problem. The disciples see a man as a problem. Many times we're quick to label people. We're quick to saying, hey, you're an adulterer, you're a cheater, you're a liar. And we take the label and we mild it with their identity. 
Some of us in this room, you need to receive the compassion of Jesus and, and quit thinking about your identity being controlled and, and, and covered with your issue and start saying, hey, I have an issue. I need help with that issue. God values me as a person. See, the disciples, they automatically assume that it's, this man was the issue. But I don't know, maybe you've followed for some time in your life Anytime you have a relationship with Jesus, it's not always just one or two options. Jesus always gives us another option. See, we live in a, in a day and time where it's liberal conservative. It's, it's this idea of right or wrong. There's no conversation about it. It's this, if you have my opinion, if you accept my opinion, then I'm for you, I'm with you. If you don't, I'm against you. It's polarizing. You're either over here on this team or you're over here on this team. Jesus gives a third option. Look, look again in verse three, it says, this happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. It wasn't to, to just heal this man randomly. It wasn't because of a person's sin. This instant, the only one where we can see that a man is covered with mud on his face, his eyes, right here is so that the power of God would be revealed. Another option. When it comes to looking and unlocking compassion in our lives, the key is to always view people as that person who Jesus died for and maybe recognize that they have an issue or a problem that needs to be dealt with. Verse, let's continue. The key to unlocking compassion, number two for us today is this. We need to work quickly to share hope. Work quickly to share hope. I believe through and through that Jesus was this individual and it's, it's biblical, it's scripture that Jesus never waited for a problem to resolve, but Jesus went and was proactive. See, what's compassionate is Jesus saw an issue and he went toward that issue. Jesus saw a, a blind, desolate, begging man who was probably sitting at the entrance of the city as people were passing by, Jesus went and talked to him. Jesus went and engaged with him. Jesus initiated that. Compassion is saying, hey, there's an issue right there. I'm gonna go handle that issue. I'm not gonna wait for some other time to handle that issue. Compassion says, I'm gonna have pity on that person right now, not tomorrow. Compassion says, I'm gonna love that person right now, not, not wait till it's convenient. Compassion says, I'm going to move, I'm going to care, I'm going to love, I'm going to be merciful at this moment, not tomorrow or the days to come. Look what Jesus says in verse 4 as we pick it up and we continue our story in this chapter. He says, we must, we must. He's not only talking about himself, but he's including this plural understanding of his disciples, his followers. We must be people that quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. And the New Living Translation is what I just read from. I always encourage people, 
Anytime you're getting in the Word of God, read multiple translations, get a whole complete picture, look at it. And I love how the ESV uh, uh, puts verse four. It says this, we must work. The works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming and when no one can work. Often we have to, 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 to look at life, to look at this idea of compassion as it's work. It takes persistence. It takes perseverance. It takes commitment. It's not based on feelings or when we want to go through it or, hey, I completed the task of the day, but it's putting on saying, hey, I'm going to work. I'm going to, to work hard to give people love when they might not deserve it. I'm going to work hard to be merciful when people don't deserve it. I'm going to work hard not to view people as a project or an object, but a person. It takes work. My wife and I, we relocated uh, to Florida from California. I say it uh, a little bit if you've been with us. I'm originally from Missouri, so don't judge me. I can't stress that enough. So when I'm living in California, uh, we live near a coffee shop, uh, or I should say we work near a coffee shop. And on the day, uh, numerous days, we'd go and walk get coffee during a break or something like that. And and in California, what maybe you don't see on the news or depending on what news you watch, there, there is a homeless crisis to a point where we had walked a coffee and only a period of three or four blocks, we would probably encounter step over, step through, walk by, walk past, walk around, probably four to five homeless people, new ones daily. It's kind of crazy. Got to a point where it became white noise to us. Oh, just, just another homeless person. And one day we're walking, we're getting coffee, and I'm just thinking, like, that person has a story. It's almost like God, hey, God planted that in my wife and I's uh, just mind at that moment saying, Blake, are you having compassion for that person that you're seeing right there? Kind of like, you know, one of those aha moments in our lives. See, if we're not careful, we can come very complacent with compassion. We can come very, hey, it's white noise. People have issues. People have certain things, and it, and it can infect and, and, and distract us with our time. I don't have time with that. If I talk to them, then I'm going to be uh, uh, sunk in this conversation for 15 minutes. I want to get home. I want to get moving. I want to get groove, and I don't want to deal with this person's issues right now. I, I mean, some of us, we know those woe-is-me people, Right? You're like, oh man, if I talk to them, whoa. And what can happen is when, when we have this posture or surround ourselves with people like that, when you have another conversation, you'll say, wow, just another person with another problem, with another issue, and you don't want to give compassion. See, compassion is this understanding that we have to work we have to continue to process it. We have to continue to say, hey, I don't want to be a person that just makes it white noise or, or just kind of settles. Jesus didn't just settle for us. He went the full mile for us. Compassion. If you continue to look at the scripture and look at the text, it's very clear that Jesus understands there's this work quickly mentality. Jesus spent three years changing the world an active full-time ministry. See, there's this urgency, compassion. I can't say it enough. When you're living out your week, your day, are you moving out with compassion and acting now or waiting till later? The key to compassion means we walk. 
We go. We make it happen at the moment. Number three for us today when it comes to the key to unlocking compassion is this. Know that compassion is a process. Know that compassion is a process. The heartbreaking area of compassion can simply put this. You give someone mercy, you give someone pity, you give someone love, and in turn, they don't really give it back. Or maybe you've given someone mercy, love, compassion, and and you're saying, hey, I hope that they receive it, but then they're not maybe going according to the plan that you've imposed on who they are. If I, if I have anybody in the room, you don't have to raise your hands by, by any means, but if you're a, a, a grandparent or, or you have adult kids and, and you give your adult kids time and time again compassion and you're hoping that at one point they come and they get it and they start following Jesus. And you can be very uh, just discouraged. See, Jesus teaches us in John chapter 9 that it's a process for people to receive compassion. Compassion isn't just this idea of you give compassion, they get it the next 24 hours. They're good, they're great, everything's resolved, everything is solved. Compassion's a process. I want to encourage you, you might be in this room giving someone compassion, saying, man, they're just not getting it, Pastor Blake. I'm about to give up. I'm about to quit giving them mercy. I'm about to quit giving them pity. I'm about to quit giving them love because they're just abusing it. But look at this process this man goes through. So join me, we continue in verse six, it says this, then he spit on the ground, made mud with saliva and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Now this is what Jesus is doing. Kind of weird, right? If you're new with us in church, you're, you're, oh man, that's kind of weird. Do we have to do that? In fact, I tried to illustrate this perfectly. So I even asked Pastor Goss to come up here. I said, Pastor Goss, I got this great illustration idea, man. Let me spit in mud and put it on your eyes and let's just see what happens. He didn't even respond. (laughs) Verse seven, he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sin. So the man went and washed and came back seen. Now, with these verses, I want us to understand something. This man received Jesus' compassion because a relationship was initiated by Jesus, but then he was obedient to Jesus. Sometimes we beg, we plead, we need compassion if we're on the other end of the spectrum and we're saying, God, where are you? I don't feel like you're really there. My question to you is, how's the obedience in your life? Verse eight continues, his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar, but the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud, spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see God's power at work. See, when it comes to unlocking compassion, it's this idea that it is a process that we might give compassion. We might lead with compassion, but the people we're giving, the people we're we're wanting to receive our compassion so they can have a changed life, 
aren't really capturing it, aren't really getting it, and we can become discouraged. So the question is, are you continuing to lead with compassion? Because Jesus doesn't say lead with compassion and then expect it, or here's the plan. Jesus leads with compassion, and that's his expectation of us. Are we loving people? Are we having pity on people? Are we being merciful in times of mercy? I want to encourage you, no matter where you are at, are you leading with compassion in this area? Are you understanding that it is a process for people to get it? Look at the, uh, real quickly, in the rest of John chapter 9, this is what happens. So this scenario happens. This man is in this process, and you notice that his neighbors and his friends didn't even recognize him. So we can see, now he can see. So he goes to maybe a mirror, probably his parents' house, and he's like, hey, mom, dad, I can see. Look at me. Like, whoa. And they're probably like, yeah, you really need to see yourself. Because he's probably rough looking. He's been a beggar his whole life. So he's probably in these rag tags, uh, looking kind of just down low, filth, dirty. And then he goes, he gets in, gets in the pool, washes a little bit, slicks the hair back, has that Pastor Chris Otero kind of fade on the sides, you know what I'm saying? He's looking good. He's looking so good because of this radical life change that people aren't even recognizing him. That's a whole nother message. When Jesus comes on the scene, he makes us something so new, something so, so different that people can't even recognize us. And then his neighbors in verse eight, they go, who is this man? We don't even recognize this man. And this man is saying, I'm the beggar. So the Pharisees call him in and they go, hey, are you the beggar? He's like, yes, I, I'm the guy. I'm the guy that Jesus healed. And they're mad at this point because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And, and they're like, no, we don't like any of this. So they don't receive his answers. So then they do what, you know, sometimes other people do. And they, they call his parents in. I don't know if you've ever done that or seen that. Like someone's not giving the answer you want. And so then you go talk to somebody else. They call his parents in. And his parents at this point, they're fearful because they're getting ready to go against the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees. And they're not going to say, hey, uh, yeah, this man is the healer because they're scared. Because if they do come against this religious authority, their lives could be at stake. That they were going to be stoned, that they were going to be executed. So you know what they say? They say, go ask him again. So the Pharisees call him back in. We see this throughout John between verses 11 and 34. And they call him back in. And finally, this man, he's like, I have nothing to lose. I was a beggar my whole life. I was down and out. I was displaced. And he says, I am the man. I don't care if you, uh, you kill me. He's in this process. He calls Jesus prophet. Because at this point, this, this beggar, he didn't really get it. He didn't really capture it. He didn't know anything. He probably didn't have education because back then people with disabilities were, were kind of just shunned and put away, put in a corner and, and not worked with. He's like, I got nothing to lose. All I know is this man, Jesus, changed my life. He didn't even understand who Jesus was at this point in the story. I want to encourage you. 
Jesus is there observing this process. And then he comes back. And that leads us to number four today. Is this the key to unlocking compassion? Is simply this. We need to accept Jesus' compassion. Accept Jesus' compassion. We can be compassionate because we know someone who's so compassionate with us. I don't know if you've made a mistake maybe this week. I don't know if you've said anything that you regret. Maybe someone showed you compassion in your life. But the greatest compassion that we've ever seen and will ever see is that Jesus showed us kindness. Jesus showed us mercy. Jesus had pity on us. Jesus showed us so much love in this lifetime by dying on the cross for you and I. Talk about leading with compassion. We see this story continue in John. We're going to speed ahead a little bit. In John 9.35, this is what happened. So Jesus is hearing the news that's spreading around town about this man, about kind of probably his boldness, his no-care mentality. He's been healed. He's been, in essence, life completely changed. When Jesus heard that what had happened, he found and at, he found the man and asked him, do you, he emphasized you, he went personal with you. If there's one thing I want you to take away, apart from the message is this, Jesus values you. This is the second time Jesus initiates this one-on-one interaction. And he says, do you believe in the son of man? The man answered, who is he? So he's going through this radical life change and still doesn't know who Jesus is. Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said. And then he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered the world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who are standing nearby heard and asked, are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Uh, I find that fascinating when it says in the verse, If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. See, Jesus' greatest friction in his life was religious people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, people who thought they knew but really didn't. Jesus' greatest grace is for people who are far from him, who are broken, who are honest with their brokenness, who are going through struggles and hurts and pains. And they're saying, hey, We don't really know what to do. This blind man sitting there, he doesn't know what to do. He's all all kind of, I I guess you'd say, couth is thrown out the door. And he's just sitting there. He's like, I'm just going to beg. And then Jesus shows up in his life. And radical things happened in this man's life. See, compassion means we accept Jesus' compassion. 
If you want to love someone, if you want to be merciful to someone, the greatest extent of each and every one of those areas, characteristics, is when we understand just how good we have it because Jesus died on the cross for us, church. I, I love the process, right? It's all about the process. And, and this is one thing I just wanted to highlight. I, I was prepping this morning, I working through text and just praying about it and, and it's unique. If you spend any time with us on Wednesday nights, we talk about it. Verse 38, I just want to draw your attention there real quick. It says, yes, Lord, I believe the man said. So he believes. Life change happened. Life change happened. He believed. And this is what he comes and does. Right there, he worships Jesus. He worships Jesus. That's why Wednesday night we have our prayer and worship service and a little teaching on those nights. But right there we see this man came back from the lowest in society, restored by Jesus, and he comes and he worships Jesus. I think oftentimes we, we almost forget that, that step of the process. Church, I want to encourage you, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, that right now in this moment, we have someone we can celebrate. We have someone we can worship. We have someone that can say, he's went there for us. We don't have to go there. He's healed us. He's restored us. He's working in our lives. He's making us new, church. His name is Jesus. Church, I feel like it's appropriate that we worship Jesus. So I'm going to ask everybody in this place right now, if you're joining us online, wherever you're at, to stand because we're going to sing a final song. And no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, the problems, perils, the hangups in life, that you have a Jesus that has compassion on you, that loves you. Maybe this is your first time with us and you want to take that step. We, you'll hear different ways you can do that here in just a moment. But right now, I want to encourage you to lean into this moment as we're led by our team through a final song. Where are you at when it comes to the compassion in life? As a follower of Jesus, are you one that, man, I, I'm, I'm characterized as someone who has compassion? Or maybe you're right now sitting there saying, I need to have a little more compassion in my life. Maybe you're sitting there and saying, I need to give a little bit more mercy, a little bit more love to those in my life. Because church, we got the greatest news, right? We have Jesus and he's for us, he's with us. And for that, we can celebrate, for that, we can worship, for that, we can love people and be people of compassion. So church, let's sing at this time and let's just lean in and let God show up and show out in our lives. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.